Good morning. It is great to be here. And before I dive into the details that I have this morning, um, I just wanted to start by saying a great big heartfelt thank you for all the prayers and the support that Margie and I have had over the past few months whilst I've been having my radiotherapy treatment. So thank you. And it's great to get some good news. And for anyone listening who is facing a health issue at the moment, I just want to encourage us as a family, let's continue to lift uh, our um, brothers and sisters before the Lord in prayer uh, to see God's healing hand touch them. In fact, I'd really like to pray for that now. So if you're suffering, if you're suffering from a health issue, can I ask you to, if you can, to put your hand on that part of your body and I'd love to just pray. Father, Lord, I know that you are a God who heals. And Father, you are a God who walks with us through all the trials that we face. And Father, I pray right now that you would send your Holy Spirit, that you would fill us afresh, I pray. And Lord, that you would bring healing to those that need healing. Lord, will you touch bodies and minds this morning to bring restoration, to bring wholeness, Lord, to bring healing. And in Jesus' name, be healed. Let your spirit rest upon us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. This morning, I am continuing our series on being a church without walls. And I really felt that it was important to start my talk with one of the prophetic words that inspired this series. Why? Because when God speaks to us, he speaks for purpose. In the book of Revelation, uh, that starts with seven letters to seven churches in seven cities. And at the end of each letter, the Lord says to the churches, he says this, To him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I really believe that these are important words that we need to take to our hearts and listen to and allow to shape us. So, in 2007, we had the BCC review, and at the service where all the churches were commissioned and prayed for, one of the chaps in Tadley, Keith Dixon, prophesied this over the Hub Church. He said this, At this morning's service, when we, Tadley, prayed for the Hub Church, I got a picture as they huddled together. I saw their huddle with their heads bowed as a roof, the people standing together as the roof supports. 
and felt God say they would be a church without walls. The roof was protection for the people within and the walls or the support spaced out sufficiently to uphold the roof but allow easy access. You know, as leaders, we are exploring what these different words mean as a church for us. But one of the aspects for me about this particular word is the fact that Keith saw us all standing together. And I just want to encourage us this morning that I believe that this word amongst the three in total and the others that we've had um, is calling each one of us up. Now at this moment in time it's really difficult for us all to join together. In fact if we did so we'd be breaking the law. But this is not necessarily just talking about us standing physically together. This is about us putting aside our preferences, joining in one spirit and heart together as the people of God and allowing him to mould us and shape us as he wills. You know, as soon as this coronavirus is over, then we'll be able to join back together. But in the meantime, God wants us to be united and joined together, in our hearts to be standing together, committed to one another. This word also speaks of our heads bowed. To me, that speaks of an attitude of humility, how we position ourselves. And it's a culture of prayer. So allow these prophetic words to, to speak to your hearts. So how we live, how we see things, our worldview has a massive impact upon everything that we do. Last week, Phil Norris shared about worldview from Peter's perspective in Acts chapter 11. And that, just as a quick reminder, is where Peter has his vision and God tells Peter not to call things that are unclean that which God has made clean. And this transformed Peter's worldview because previously Peter thought that salvation was just for the Jews not for the non-Jews or Gentiles, and especially not for your enemies, the Romans. It also transformed Cornelius' worldview because the Holy Spirit descended on him and his whole household was saved. How amazing is that? But it also transformed the church in Jerusalem's worldview because From then on, the direction of the church changed and they had to acknowledge that God wanted salvation for everyone. That's you and me and we are the beneficiaries of that. We all have a worldview. It's the way we see things. It's the way we see the world around us. It's like we're wearing a set of glasses. It's the lenses that we look through. And these lenses, the way we see things, affect everything that we say and do. And it might be influenced by our parents, our upbringing, our education, our beliefs, experiences and the culture that we live in. But when we encounter 
Jesus, we see a different worldview. We have to look through different lenses. We have to look through the lenses of the gospel. And it challenges the way we see everything. Not just the first day that we receive Jesus, but every day. And if you sat here this morning and you have fixed views on certain things, then can I ask you just to think again. God is calling us to, uh, calling you and me upward. He's calling us to be part of a church without walls. And that may involve breaking down some of our previously fixed views. And by the way, the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, and that means to change your mind. Every day we encounter and live in a world that is contrary to the kingdom of God. And we pray, God, let your kingdom come on earth. Let your will be done on earth. We ask the Lord to show us his will so that we can see things the way that he sees things. It is the challenge of our lives. And as we look into the Bible, we can see how the apostles were challenged and how they lived. Phil has already uh, shown us how Peter had to change his thinking. This is Peter. He'd been with Jesus for three years. He'd been with the apostles all and you'd think that he'd have it all in place but he still needed to change. How about the apostle Paul? In Acts 17 the apostle Paul is on his second missionary journey and he arrives in a new city, Athens, and he is confronted by a completely different worldview. And I'd like to just spend a bit of time this morning just looking at how Paul sees things, how he looks through the lenses of the gospel. Sometimes when you look at the book of Acts, it feels kind of disorganised. Uh, Paul goes through Philippi, Thessalonica and then Berea and he preaches the gospel and he sees many people come to Christ. But then as the kingdom of God comes up against the kingdom of this world, he finds that he has opposition, riots and has to flee for his life. This seems to be a pattern of his life. And I love what Tom Wright says about whenever he preaches Christ, he is offered tea and biscuits. And that's the worst that he finds. And so it's a challenge for us to preach Christ. Not that we're looking for riots and causing trouble, but we want the gospel to go forth. And for people to receive the life that Jesus brings. So Paul is bundled out of Berea and onto a ship and he finds himself alone in Athens. Athens, one of the great intellectual cities of the world at that time. Athens, the seat of the ancient Greek culture. 
Athens with its history spanning hundreds and thousands of years. 400 years before the birth of Christ, Socrates, Plato and Aristotle were formulating the Greek culture around them. Athens with all its ancient Greek gods, with their architecture, rituals, festivals and culture. Paul arrives in this new place and is completely overawed by it. This is a completely new culture, a new way of seeing the world around him. And I'd like to draw out three things from Paul's encounter in Athens and how he sees things and how this might help us as we consider these words about being a church without walls. Firstly, Paul arrives in Athens and he takes stock. He's on his own. His friends uh, remained in the previous city, pre- uh, presumably to, to disciple the, some of the, uh, the people that had come to Jesus. So Paul's on his own waiting in Athens and he takes stock. And maybe this is a good time for us to take stock. So what does Paul do? He considers the, the new world of Athens around him and he goes on a sightseeing tour. When Margie and I go away on holiday, we love to go to new places. In fact, trying to get Margie to go back to the same place is actually quite difficult because we love to see new places. And we never go on package tours, even though there's nothing wrong with those. But we like to go where the locals go. We like to eat where the locals eat. We like to get the feel of a place. And this is what Paul does. He doesn't take things at face value. He takes time to look around Athens. Now, I've described Athens as a place full of culture. Paul looks at the place and he is horrified with all the idols and the temples. Paul sees things differently. The lenses that he looks through are looking through the lens of Jesus and the gospel. I've described Athens in terms of its um, its culture and history. Paul sees all of the idols. And I wonder how Paul would see our society if he were alive today. As we consider what these words mean about being a church without walls, maybe it's a good time today to take a new look about our world around us and how we live. Ask God to speak to your hearts. Maybe we need to reconsider some of our views and change our minds on a few things. I've had to do that recently. I read a book that challenged some ways that I saw things that, quite frankly, um, I'd never seen before. And God opened my eyes to, uh, to see things differently. And if you ask me, I'll tell you, but I don't want to distract from uh, this talk this morning by looking at my particular issue. But it's important that we allow God 
to speak to our hearts, to look at how we see things and maybe change our minds on a few things. The second point I want to make is that Paul is flexible. He's willing to change the way that he does things. He's willing to do things differently. Up until this point when Paul arrived in a city, the first thing he'd do would be to go to the synagogue to preach, to talk to the the Jews in the synagogue and the God-fearing Gentiles associated with it. And this time Paul does that, but he quickly moves out from the synagogue and moves into the marketplace. The marketplace was central to the city of Athens. The marketplace wasn't just a place to buy food and goods. The marketplace in Athens was massive. The marketplace in Athens is the place where all the commerce, the banking, the business was done. It's the place that, it's the place that had gyms, so there was recreation. And Paul heads into this marketplace. Why? Because it's where the people are. It's where the life is. Paul is willing to be flexible, to change the way that he does things, so that he doesn't just stay with the the Jews in the synagogue, but he moves out into the place where the life of the city is. His attitude is typified by uh, in in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, he says this. Although I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, although I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, although I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. What an amazing attitude to have. So back to the story. We could look, Paul um, encounters uh, people in the marketplace and we could look at the two different philosophies that Paul encounters with the Stoics and the Epicureans. Unfortunately, time simply does not allow us to do that. But can I challenge you to Google Um, what Stoics and Epicureans believe because you will be amazed at how these two different worldviews that Paul encounters are prevalent in our society, society and the Western world as we know it. Paul looks through the lens of the gospel. He lives for Christ 
and he sees everything from that perspective. How does the Lord impact how I see this? It might impact my life, my work, my friends, how I see the people around us, how I do things. Paul looks through the lens of the gospel. That is his worldview. Finally, my last point is that Paul is always seeking the direction and leading of the Lord by, his, by the Holy Spirit. Even when Paul is sightseeing, he is open to the Holy Spirit who draws his attention to this, an altar to an unknown God. So having spoken to the people in the marketplace, he's invited to speak at the Areopagus. I hope I got that right. The main council. Now, this for Paul is an opportunity to share the gospel. But he was not naive. This Areopagus is not just a a council. It is also a court. And this court has the... Uh, the ability to do Paul great harm as well as receiving his message. And so this is not a warm reception. In fact, 400 years prior, uh, the the father of philosophy, uh, Socrates, in Athens, was put to death by a court like this for preaching about foreign deities. And so as Paul comes before this council, it is God's leading by his Holy Spirit, I think, that directed him to start his talk about this altar to this unknown God. Paul is basically saying that I'm not preaching a new religion. Look, the God that I preach and worship has been with you all this time, but you just didn't know about it. And now I am telling you who he is. So Paul is open to the Holy Spirit. He's leading everywhere he goes. He's open to God's leading and direction by the Holy Spirit. Paul uses all his intellect. He is led and inspired by the Holy Spirit. But all the time, the way that he sees things, his worldview is rooted in Jesus. Now Luke's account of Paul's talk in Acts 17 is one of the clearest gospel presentations we find in the the New Testament. And if you studied it, which I have, you will find that every sentence that Luke writes down in the book of Acts of Paul's account to this council has meaning. Every word he says, every sentence is directed at those people listening. He even quotes their own poets. He doesn't shy away from challenging them to repent and change their ways, even though they could have done him great harm. How great is his boldness 
in just sharing life, in sharing Jesus. And so this morning, can I encourage you to take a fresh look at your own way of seeing things, your own worldview, the glasses through which, the lenses through which you see the world around you. It might be in your family, it might be in your work, the people around you. Let the Holy Spirit lead and speak to your heart. Ask the Lord to show you areas of your life where you need to change your mind on a few things or be flexible. I've had to do it and I pray that for each one of us that we would have um, the humility of heart to go back to the Lord and ask him, Lord, will you show me where I need to change and change my mind? Finally, as we, as I finish, let's look to see how God can shape us and lead us and become all that he says we are as a church without walls. Thank you.